Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. Welcome to Motherboard's inaugural podcast. We have decided to sit around and talk about space, science, and the future, so uh, I'm glad you can join us here. Uh, We have Claire Evans, who is Motherboard's futures editor, as well as one half of the rock band Yacht. Did I get that right? Yeah, totally. I'll go with that. And we have Chris O'Coyne, who is Motherboard's illustrious supervising producer. Is that, did I get that right? Production supervisor. Supervising producer. And Jason Kebler, who is a staff writer at Motherboard and drone space science aficionado. Hello. What's up, everyone? And I'm Brian Merchant, the senior editor of Motherboard. So today on the docket, we are going to talk about Interstellar, which is sort of the marquee, quote-unquote, thinking man's space movie of the season. It's, you know, Chris Nolan's big-budget, you know, multiplex-ready, IMAX, eyes popping out of your skull <laughs> roller coaster ride of the season and it's inspired a lot of conversations is the science right is it wrong is it pessimistic is it optimistic there's a lot to dig in here uh, is the so, movie even any good is no. the movie good <laughs> does it even matter if it's yeah. good yeah, right are people seeing it so first uh, i want to hand it over to claire uh, because science fiction is kind of your forte uh, so let's talk about why any of this matters first. Why does it matter if Interstellar works or doesn't work? Well, as I'm sure I don't need to tell you boys, science fiction doesn't really tell us anything meaningful about the future, but it is an extremely accurate mirror for contemporary cultural attitudes about technology, about space, about our position in the universe and what we are doing to this planet. It's also, I think, the most popular medium by which the public is informed about both the consequences of and the possibilities of technology, which I think Interstellar does both to its credit. Right. Uh, So so those are the the stakes. So we might as well just jump in right there. So how... Spoilers uh, ahead. Spoilers ahead. (laughs) Spoilers. Yeah, sorry if you got this far and thought we were going to spend the whole time dancing around uh, (laughs) plot points, but yes, there will be spoilers. They go to space, P.S. Spoiler number one. Yeah, Yeah, they they make it. You may not realize in the first hour of the movie that they will ever go to space, but they do. Yeah, if you That is how I felt. (laughs) Right. And there's the foreshadowing for a dissenting voice uh, of interstellar hate. But we will get to that in a second. So uh, before we go into whether or not it's any good or anything, let's talk about uh, exactly what Claire framed. What, What are the themes that interstellar brings up? Like when you watch interstellar, what are you thinking about, Jason? I'm just thinking the whole point of the movie is we've got to get the hell off of Earth 
and you know that's kind of what NASA has been talking about maybe not outwardly but if you go to these little conferences and stuff they'll say we can't live on earth forever if we want to survive as a species so there's an imperative like we have like the human race actually depends on its survival depends on getting off of earth eventually we well, yeah, i mean the sun is going to explode in what like six Five billion? I think it was five billion, but then they shortened it to 2.5 billion. Yeah, if we're going to continue to exist as a species, we're either going to have to transcend physical form or we're going to have to get off the planet. That's just like a fact. And that's the long game. I mean, that's kind of the the deadline, and then there's many reasons we might not necessarily (laughs) make it to that. So here's what I'm thinking that's an extraordinarily long game. And I think that it's interesting in culture right now that we have all of these sort of. Uh, imperatives like the one in Interstellar, like, oh, things are bad, like, it it feels bad right now. We've got, like, you know, food riots sweeping the globe, we have a Congress in America that doesn't work, we have income inequality, climate change, we have all these problems, so we are kind of in escape gear. But we have hundreds of millions of years to perfect the technology to get off the planet. Theoretically, we could create a sustainable society here on Earth. Is that... Or, or no, it's too, late. Too, yeah. it's too late. <laughs> right. It's too late. So I think that's one of the interesting things in uh, Interstellar is that it's really kind of pitching this idea that like this is around the corner. Like Earth is going to crumble. Like, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like what our pop culture is telling us. We have The Walking Dead. We have all these dystopias, The Hunger Games. That like the time, uh, you know, within our lifetimes or our grandfather's like it seems to be the not too distant future the not in all of these uh sci-fi tales right yeah so maybe not a hunger i don't know well brian you would know more than anyone else that it is our not too distant future i mean climate change being what it is the planet is fucked can i swear on this (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. you can swear (laughs) on the internet yeah Yeah, this is not fcc i'm not gonna get through a fucking review of this movie (laughs) (laughs) The, Uh, the thought is that um you know once we get into space, everything will be better, which is kind of interesting. Like, we'll cease being humans and we'll cease having all these problems if we kind of make it into space, which is a little right, hopeful, we'll leave our I think. Behind. Yeah. I mean, there are those who think that once we leave the planet and start looking down at it from above, we'll experience this kind of, like, transcendental overview effect thing where we'll suddenly become aware of the great interconnectedness of things and the fragility of our planet. It'll change our perspective forever. Um, I think that's highly idealistic. I think humans will probably take their baggage with them, for sure. Right. Even some of our clearest-eyed sci-fi writers, I feel like, kind of fall victim to this a little bit. Kim Stanley Robinson, for example. You know, it's not perfect, but once we get to Mars, we set up, like, a socialist paradise. Kind of. (laughs) You know, there's still infighting, but, like, I just find this highly suspect. And George Monbiot, who wrote a column about uh, Interstellar that I found pretty insightful, uh, brings up that point exactly. He's like, these people that could not imagine for the life of them what it would be like to, like, set up a colony in the Gobi Desert, you know, and live and get away, you know, live off the grid, and that just seems terrible, are signing up to go to Mars in droves to live in even more inhospitable mm-hmm. terrains. So the idea that, it, that, there, that space travel is an escape valve, I just find highly suspect. Like, this whole... Uh, you know, sort of philosophy that's espoused in the film, which uh, this well, let's let's play let's play the clip here uh, before we go too much further because this is really central to the thesis of the movie. I think we used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. 
that uh, comparing Earth to just the dirt as though that was a bad thing. The dirt is the, is the source of all life. I mean, it's right. plants grow out of the dirt. We all die and go back to the dirt. It's actually a beautiful concept. I don't see why it has to be framed in this incredibly negative way. Yeah, right. If we find a planet without dirt, we're not going to fucking live. <laughs> we need it. Good luck li- living on that ocean planet. Right. That's a great point. Like, don't we have we have to find a planet with other dirt? We're still going to be caretakers of dirt somewhere. Yeah. The problem with the ice planet is that there's not dirt. There's yeah. there's no surface that they can get to. Right. I mean, That's yeah. Right. But in any case, in Matthew McConaughey's in Interstellar's Earth, the dirt is no longer. Helpful. Right. I mean, yes. they do need to get off because people are dying in droves. You can't grow anything anymore, that regardless group. of like what our planet looks like now. Like the planet in that movie is dying, yeah. more or less. It's That's dust. kind of the, the premise. Right. I do think it is. It is an effective plot device. Uh, I don't. I just don't know if it's like if it's effective uh, cultural diagnosis or uh, or it's it's useful in in terms of helping people sort of contextualize the problems that we're facing. Uh, but as a sci-fi movie, like, I personally thought it did a lot of things very well, very mm-hmm. effectively. And I know we have our dissenting voice <laughs> ready ready to tear some holes into it. Uh, so, yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk about that for now. So the movie is basically 45 minutes on Earth. We get the exposition. McConaughey loves his daughter... His daughter is... is a bad actress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's her fault or the shitty writing. Too. I mean. And then we get off, you know, then McConaughey, which... Can I interject for a second that the, the one at the most... Interject un- yourself. Yeah, interject. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. Interrupt myself. To say that, like, one of the parts that I found strange is, like, this movie has a lot of ground to cover. It's already three hours long, but... To me, like, he just randomly kind of stumbles upon her, we find out later, not so randomly, the underground NASA. NASA has been forced to go underground uh, because uh, it, if the public found out that we were still spending money on space, they'd apparently riot or something. Another thing that I thought was the, the ideological line in the sand that the movie draws right away is when they're like, oh, the textbooks say the Apollo missions were faked. Yeah. Right. Which I was like, okay, it's a little... I mean, it's clearly stating it's like, it's... Uh, it's mission statement right there, which is like, you know, people who defund the space program are idiots and are going to kill us all kind of thing. Yeah. Which I thought was a little, I don't know. You think it was a little heavy-handed? A or? little bit, yeah. I mean, I kind of, I love that that kind of, like, idea of, like, manipulating history, like, in the future to serve a purpose. Like, it's interesting, but I also was just like, come on. Like, that was maybe the first part of the movie where I was like... Let me, let me right. take stock of that. Do you guys, you know, as a, as a science writer, do you think that's a plausible like I know you kind of were interested in that idea right right I thought it was a good plot device for sure um the fact that NASA had gone underground Mm -hmm. I I don't know that it's ever going to happen but you see like inklings of it you know uh we fund NASA just like we fund everything else so you ask them to go to Mars give them a set budget and then you cut the budget the next year and there's no real you know it's it's so political just like everything else and there are people who want to defund NASA, and there are people who, you know, want to not let them do what they want to do. Um, they say, why should we try to wrangle an asteroid? Which, I don't know, say what you want about that whole idea. Um, it's what NASA wants to do, and if you let them get halfway through it and then kill the budget, you're not really doing 
much good for right. anyone. There's this constant tension between all of these things that could generate a vast amount of knowledge, do spectacular things on the frontier of space exploration, and, and it's in constant tension of, well, we have to fund the highways, and we have to, you know, we have to balance our budget. We have to, we have to, you know, and we, it's especially harsh right now because we do have this voice of austerity. These mm-hmm. Republicans that just swept into Congress, that's kind of their party, party line, you know, is that less money on these science funding uh, expeditions that they find extraneous and they're always trying to cut. So I do you think it was trying to make a political point. I think that's what the point was. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. But but I, I think the thing that's crazy about it to me is like they're telling us that in this future there's no military, right? Like the military's broken down because when they find TARS, he's like, oh, it's an old military robot, and there's like a line in there somewhere about that. So how the fuck is NASA <laughs> still exist? Like with millions of dollars to build, uh, you know, crazy ships that I don't, you know, we don't know how far the technology got beforehand, before the end times came or whatever. But probably not that far if there's still just like I mean there's just fucking drones flying around. The Indian yeah. drone at the beginning of the movie is well, and more McConaughey like model. had that earlier mission. He was like the only pilot who had been to space, and he didn't even like make it. Right, so. that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's a funny point because like yeah, in a, in a lot of ways it's kind of like a utopian vision of collapse in that. <laughs> In reality, I think if we we stop being able to farm and the population's dying, that's we pour money into the military. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, yeah. Um, right. You'd have a situation where like the state would control everything, and then also, if if that was the case, like if the politics were as such that like you had history books saying that the Apollo missions didn't happen. NASA would be completely fucked, like completely fucked, like hung out to dry. Well, maybe NASA's privately funded or something. I mean, we don't really know a lot about that world. To its credit, I think it doesn't like give it to us on a plate. Right. True. It's like the Illuminati is funding NASA. That's like <laughs> that's honestly like what I took from it. It's like secret government money that no one knows about. Well, they have like, a good just... opportunity to do a class war uh, narrative <clears throat> in the movie then, where only the rich people are going to get off, but they didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it was the eggs that will be fertilized by I don't know I didn't understand that they were already fertilized it's funny there's a commonality like there's many commonalities between this movie and Contact the more I think about it and one of them is the fact that there's also like a secret space program in Contact when like the ship doesn't work the first time everyone thinks that the mission is over and then it turns out there's like a secret second one in Japan that the government has been funding all along because they knew the popular opinion might not hold up Right. Um, but I loved Contact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only a fool doesn't love Contact. The, sto- the story actually, I think... But was... that's because Carl Sagan literally wrote it. Right, yeah. The story was the, the story for Interstellar was people who worked on Contact, I think, also. I had to forget oh, really? in what capacity, yeah. Hmm, I mean, John... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, maybe we have to look that up. John um, Nolan and Chris Nolan wrote the script itself, but I think like the story was um, a physicist and somebody else, I think, about something to do with Contact. It was originally a Spielberg thing, and then yeah. the Nolans kind of like took it over and rewrote a lot yeah, of it. Interesting. Yeah. But... So I, I should interject here that Lisa Masseri, who is an assistant professor of uh, science, technology, and society at the University of Virginia, did a piece for us uh, that was published recently that is actually uses these two movies as uh, sort of separate plot points to kind of examine how we think about space, like how cultural attitudes have changed. Because McConaughey is in both movies. In Contact, McConaughey is 
the holy shit i forgot he was in yeah oh my god he's so that is like peak mcconaughey in my he's mind. the priest right yeah or, yeah that's, the, yeah. that's mcconaughey at his, at his, at his he's earthly and spiritual and he loves the planet and he's got a mullet and he makes her say that she's an atheist in front of congress or whatever right. i love that yeah but it just turns out that faith you know like it's you can have faith in science just as you can have faith in god is what you learned about that movie right and and the idea then was that it, it, this was this very sagan-esque attitude towards space we you know like there are aliens out there let's find them and we're not alone and we've got we have you know we're bold we're a bold species and we're compelled to do all these great things and it's in, in by interstellar uh what 15 years later we are forced to get out off the planet we gotta go otherwise we're done for otherwise mm-hmm. this, this species will crumble and what spoiler alert it turns out <laughs> in the end of interstellar we are actually our own aliens which, Which I love. That's always yeah. been my favorite pet theory about aliens. That like aliens are humans from the future, or aliens are interdimensional humans, or something. That was like the twist from AI, wasn't it? At e... the end of AI, the 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 grays that kind of like pick up the kid were supposed. Well, those to be... were just like it, robots so sophisticated that they had never seen a human. They oh, had never like they were like, oh, this robot has seen a real human. Uh, okay. Can you explain what that what that idea is and how it appears in sci-fi culture? What, artificial intelligence? Or how we are our own aliens. I, you know, I think it's something that pops up now and again. I don't think that it's actually that heavily used, honestly. I think that uh, it requires a certain amount of long, like, long, long now thinking that doesn't really happen a lot. But I really want to talk about artificial intelligence in this movie, actually. Can we go there? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that a, a lot of science fiction will do one of two things with AI. One, like, especially space-type science fiction. Not movies that are explicitly about AI, like Transcendence or Lawnmower Man or something. Um, which are usually kind of crappy. Space movies that deal with this subject either go like the HAL 9000 route and have like a disembodied, uh, you know, extremely reasonable and patient voice that can, that sort of runs the ship or runs like the whole, all the technology on board of a ship. And or, then it inevitably malfunctions. And, and inevitably, and inevitably malfunctions, <clears throat> or has like ulterior motives, like like an oblivion, like the Tet or something. Because, oh, the Tet. Yeah, I love the Tet yeah. as a concept. But um, fuck you, Sally. Is that, is that his name? <laughs> um, or it goes like fully embodied, like Robbie the robot, like a robot helper or something. Um, something that has like arms and legs and a face. But I think Interstellar does a really interesting thing where it has a machine. That is very much like it is an artificial intelligence. It has a personality. It has degrees of humor and and pathos, but it's you also can actually just program the humor. Yeah, but it's slowly. also just like a piece of machinery. Like it's like this utilitarian object. It's not like a buddy necessarily. Yeah. It's not like trying to be you know. Uh, well, it's relatable. kind of a buddy. It is kind of it's comic relief kind but of. But it doesn't have a form. It doesn't have a human form. It doesn't go there. It's a little. It, it's. I, I think it's like anthropomorphic enough to where it has like kind of legs and it teeters along where you kind of. Yeah, but then, but then when needed, it can just turn into like a spinning helix. Yeah, or that spinning yeah. thing was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite thing about the movie. I yeah, think, I read nice. actually that they like they designed that machine to look like the architect Mies van der Rohe designed it. Like it's supposed to be like a modernist sixties yeah. piece of technology, which I think is really interesting too. And it's also like so clearly. And like monolith, two thousand one reference. Yeah. It, Although it, not everyone in this room has seen right, two thousand one. I've seen it, but I know all of the tropes and shit. <laughs> <laughs> waiting Chris to see it in seventy. Waiting to see it in seventy millimeter. That's point. right. Here's a note: our the biggest movie buff among us, our <laughs> video <laughs> production supervisor in charge of all of Motherboard's video content, has not seen the seminal sci-fi film. I'm waiting to see it in 70 millimeter, oh, and it's become it's become a thing, and now it's just kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I have it on my fucking iPad, and last time I was flying international, I was like, 
do I do this? And I I started it, and it's two it's two one, so it's super wide cropped, and it's so on an iPad, it's like even smaller. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I can't cast. You gotta go big. Yeah. I will say that I liked about the movie. I did. I liked. I liked the robots. I liked. I liked the sort of the tactile feel of the film. It felt like re- mm-hmm. if we were going to go to space. It, it, this is a reasonable idea of what it would look like. It's not crazy, sleek, you know, mm-hmm. Star Trek, like, minimalist. You There's know. no, like, light drive or warp speed. There are wormholes, but, <laughs> yeah. you know... Worm spheres. Nothing seemed, like, all that crazy futuristic in it to oh, me. Yeah, because everything is supposed to be, like, repurposed, right. is the sense that I got. I mean, like, the, the robots are repurposed for mm-hmm. military use. Right. Like, it seems like they're just cobbling together things with what they had left over from when the space program was funded. You just yeah. reminded me that the wormhole, when they travel through the wormhole, is basically the same effect from Star Trek the motion picture when they go through the wormhole, although that was more psychedelic, when they're like, heads go over here and they're talking oh, to yeah, themselves. Oh yeah, totally, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's two like sequences like that. There's the wormhole one and then there's the black hole one later, and they're both... They're kind of similar. They, I thought they were really cool. Oh, I have no idea what they touched look their like. Hand, but... I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It was like no. birth of man. Like exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Come on!" Yeah, it's okay. pretty heavy handed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This movie is not nuanced. Uh, we will. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. So, Although uh, you know. I will note that when when we started this conversation, I started thinking about the character of Doctor Man, which is the most ridiculous name in the history of like <laughs> fictional names. But Mister Guy, yeah, um, it it I kind of started to realize that he re- he might be just like a re- a representation of the the baggage that we would carry into space when colonizing other worlds. That like. Totally. You can't escape like your own human failings, like and Doc, so and so does in, uh, in the film. Doctor Man is uh, played by uh, Matt Damon, and he is the guy who spearheaded this entire effort. The great scientist. He gets there. He lives there. He's he's beaming back signals to Earth, saying that I, this is a hospitable planet that I've landed on. Come get me. Let's live here. And then when we get there, we find out that he's lost it, and he tries to. He's just so desperate to survive by himself that he's willing to doom the entire species basically. he was not the one that Anne Hathaway was in love with no, right? no okay I got very confused by that whole that plot. was my least favorite part of the movie I, I just was like really rooting for like <laughs> for everyone and I, I just thought like it, we don't need a, a fist fight on like a planet like ma- millions of light years away it's just like not necessary but I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. I was kind of just like rooting for everyone the whole time. I was like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen." Like, <laughs> okay. Before, there's one thing I want to touch on before we go into our our reviews, our expert opinions about what this movie was. It effective? Was it good? And that's how important is the science 
to the to this movie. It's gonna it's a lot of the headlines you see about this movie is is it right? Is it oh Neil deGrasse Tyson went on Twitter and wrote a takedown or how important is it? I thought he liked. I thought he liked. Yeah, it. I thought he liked it. It was he was more favorable than Gravity. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He did like it. He does have. He like, liked parts of it. And he said he'd, like he'd never hang out near a black whatever. hole. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, who would? Well, and that brings me <laughs> so to gauche. One other thing: flying a black hole sucks in everything, including light yeah. and time. So how can you just, like, fly a ship past the edge of it? Like, if you're going super fast. Well, as long as you're on the outside of the singularity, right? Isn't that the point? Yeah, the I don't understand. Get... I guess maybe I don't understand. <laughs> I am talking out of my ass. They're just far enough away. away from it where they're, like, feeling its pull but not getting sucked in. Yeah, it's they haven't of... crossed the line of no return. Oh, okay, it's one of those things that when I heard about as a child, I was like, I'll be terrified of that for the rest of my life. That this thing <laughs> just might pop up, like, over by Saturn and then pff, we're done. <laughs> and then I saw the black yeah. hole and I found out you could go on a... Wonderful adventure. Yeah. Seminal soccer. Another great wormhole. Yeah. Okay. In order of who liked it to who hated it, let's let's give our, our brief consensus review of the movie, starting with Jason. Wait, I want to talk a little bit more yeah. about the science. Oh, we're not done. Oh, we're not done. We're almost done. Cut this out. I mean, <laughs> cut it out. I'm no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I think the science is important. I Obviously, it's a movie first, and it's got to be entertaining, and I thought it was entertaining and I'm not a scientist, but I write about this stuff all the time. And they hit on a lot of things that real scientists are talking about. NASA is researching hypersleep for, like, long space missions right now. That was in there. Like, NASA is researching this idea of sending a bunch of zygotes to another planet to start, like, start creating... They're not researching it, but they have scientists in there that say, if we're going to colonize another place, we're just going to send a bunch of eggs or like, we're just going to send a bunch of DNA and try to print them on other planets. And it's crazy, but I mean... So they didn't explain that really in the movie. How would that work? So I think in the, in the movie, the the theory was like, maybe they'd use exogenesis or something. They'd use like external wombs and like incubator situations. But then like a baby is born on a hostile... Like it's just... Yeah, like the microwave door opens. And then like... (laughs) It's just... No, and then like Anne Hathaway has to like raise it or something. I don't really know. (laughs) But, uh... Which is one of the things of plan B. If the plan B is to start a colony with like these four people, having like three dudes and Anne Hathaway seems like to be a poor... It's also funny that Plan B is the name of a form of birth control. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, No, but I guess what NASA is talking about printing people on other planets, which sounds insane, is we basically encode human genomes and all sorts of genomes onto bacteria and send them, like, on a Voyager-type mission and, like, a probe and just hope that it seeds life there and we'd start evolution like all over again from the beginning. Um, which obviously would take millions and billions of years to like reformulate the, the species. But that's kind of the general thought behind it. And I mean, you've got NASA, like the curiosity Rover lead scientist was talking about this earlier this year. It's like something that they think is plausible. Um, it might be what Earth is right now. Ooh. Yeah, because Ooh. aliens are people from the future. Yeah. Right. Uh, and or the past, or time doesn't what, what, exist. What about the, I mean, the, the wormhole stuff is a lot thornier, obviously. That's a, it's a, that's actually a common trope. For for Halloween, I, I randomly watched Event Horizon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it actually has the scene. Now that's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but that's a whole other podcast. Is Save me from hell. It's Save yourselves from hell. Almost identical in how they explain... The, the wormhole travel. They have somebody take a piece of paper and say, like, you 
<laughs> you want you you're here X and you want to get here and they you know poke a little hole in the other side of the paper and then they fold it as if yeah. this is like so you know integral to our understanding of how it might work and then you just you're there immediately like do you have any idea you you've studied some of this math and stuff is like so theoretically theoretically wormholes exist I don't know how one is created or whether you know, our far descendants can transcend time and space and create one and put it right next to Saturn for us to use. Also, like, why not put it closer? Saturn is pretty far. It is pretty yeah. far. It took two yeah. years to get there. Why don't you just put it, like, yeah. right by the moon or something? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just open it, like, right there. Yeah. Just, just put a space elevator right to the door. So how the fuck did they find McConaughey out by Saturn? He was just floating around in his spacesuit? What happened to oxygen when you he went? You mean after he's ejected yeah. mysteriously from the black hole? We found hole. you by Saturn and you're okay and we found the robot too like space is really fucking big by saturn like i didn't really understand movies in general it's like your (laughs) your hand is held so like ponderously and annoyingly like specifically in detail throughout the entire movie and then you get to like the last third it's just like things are moving so quickly that you just have no idea what anyone's motivations are anymore and there are things that you walk away at the end of the movie and you're like wait what how how is it possible (laughs) that they pulled him out of space two two parts where that happened i feel like in the in the beginning when he stumbles upon the the secret space factory and then he's immediately presented with the ultimatum like oh they're like oh we're looking for you actually (laughs) yeah Yeah. but you're also in trouble for being here yeah and then he goes to his daughter and he has like apparently 20 minutes to like tell his daughter he's never going to see her again and then he's just immediately in space no training I, like, that was crazy. no he just like go he like drives his truck home and he says he like, his well to space yeah. as an yeah. editor like, i liked that edit but i hated it at the same time i was like wait a minute what the fuck that well, was just I, like, I was grateful that they didn't go through like the whole yeah, like, ordeal of training true. like we'd have to watch all of just that the together. exposition fast forward button that's basically that and yeah. it came back at the end when he's like oh my daughter i've been pining for my entire life and then she's done. She's old. He's like, oh my god, go goodness. away now, and he's dear. Like, go, and he's like, <laughs> and also right, like, no one good. in the family wants to meet him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like an intergenerational like miracle who was found in space, and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't uh, even uh, want to know like, you. You're like the namesake of our entire like, colony. Yeah, go find this woman you met <laughs> on the space station. Like, just go to her. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'm out. We'll <laughs> spend two and a half minutes with my dying daughter and peace out. Who's now older than me? Who's like, it's yeah, I'm cool with this. and then he's. Uh, for all the lip service paid to love in that movie. Yeah, we yeah. haven't talked about love yeah. and that whole thing. I just choose to ignore it. Um, in my, I love the movie, but I, I, I don't think the message was like love transcends dimensions and stuff. Even though it's kind of spelled out very explicitly, they never like make it clear that it is like a real force. Yeah, um, I think it's more like, hey, my daughter really loves me, so she won't. She like will look at this watch. You yeah. know, it's not like. Oh, I'm communicating with her through love. Love isn't like so, a metaphysical force. Yeah, hope, hopefully that wasn't They, they the dance takeaway, pretty dangerously but... close oh, to God, the, they where they're that. like, you know, what if love is actually a scientific phenomenon that compels <laughs> us to reconstruct right. ourselves? And There's, I feel like okay, I have a little bit of a pet theory about this movie, which is that it like it's operating on two in the in the same way that like we can't have a theory of everything for the universe because like the theories that we have that deal with the very small like quantum mechanics and the theories that have the things that are very big like general relativity they don't work together uh, in a comprehensive way that makes sense quite yet. And that's what happens in this movie. There's, like, the very small, there's the mundane kind of science fiction near-term dystopia on Earth stuff. And then there's, like, the grandiose space opera, like, next-level interstellar voyage. And then, like, there's this connecting thread that's supposed to be just, like, one human being or the idea of love. Um, yeah. It doesn't really work, I think, no, as, like, a glue. And I also think that it's interesting is in, in that we're very selective about which we 
want to be realistic and which we're most uh, intent on honing into. For instance, like, everybody will compare notes on the space travel. The worm, could a human go through a wormhole? Oh, that movie's bullshit. I don't, we, we could never, blah, blah, blah. But then we have these, this simulated ecological blight, this mystery blight. You know, nobody blinks an eye. Oh, there's this crop failure that is just spreading like a plague and everything's dead but that doesn't have to be correct <laughs> I guess <laughs> although I do love that just everyone on earth only eats corn forever yeah. like they're just like having dinner and there's like corn souffle and like a, some cornbread and yeah. just corn only I mean that isn't ha- also it's pretty like, pretty, pretty accurate to modern life in America <laughs> right? yeah, that yeah. Is correct. So, so we have this monoculture corn. crop yeah, yeah I mean it's like, corn is in everything That's you know what I don't understand is how so they haven't shit. figured out some kind of soylent thing or some kind of like food supplement that is not like crop based some, some algae grown or I something I mean wouldn't yeah. the remaining scientists in the world be working on that problem like how to feed yeah humanity with a, nu- a nutrient slurry of some kind <laughs> yeah this get, movie get was Robert very Robert. quick to like put in all the far future science for like space in there but like near future soylent or you know alternative ways of See, growing crops a, or something this, like but I guess what about greenhouse like you know other not not even greenhouses but just some of this right, like, like indoor dome, dome yeah, stuff kind of, like, that, and that brings us full circle and that's kind of my problem with this movie is it posits that you know we have the science necessary to like warp time and go through black holes that we built and hurdle through the stars but we cannot figure out a sustainable way to live on a planet yeah and that's, like, the takeaway of this movie to me. Um, and I think that's a good segue into... Let's, 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 re- let's, <laughs> let's review let's it. Let's wrap this up, yeah. Let's, let's wrap it up. Let's give it our final, our final consensus here. Jason, you love the movie. Why? Right. So, I mean, I agree with a lot of the, like, detract, detracting points or whatever. But I loved it. I loved watching it. I thought this is, this is our future. And I don't know why I thought that. But just, you know, the exogenesis and the wormholes and the time manipulation and just like i just and the narrative the the dialogue wasn't great but i didn't even care like i just love the kind of overarching i love the overarching story and i didn't care about the details all that much and i don't really know why but i mean i was like pulled in right away and i i was there i was with it the whole time i loved it Counterpoint, Chris O'Coy. Um, okay, so uh, earlier I I said that the daughter was a bad actress, but I I think that I, that's not fair. I think it's mostly the writing. She's a child. Yeah, yeah I she's know. a child. So which Rude. is which is unfair. And, the, and I just I'm always, I child actors always pull me out. I'm always just like okay, but you got to have them, I guess, tell a story. But um, <laughs> wow. the the write the writing to me the dialogue was so bad it just like really pulled me out like straight away and the last movie i remember doing it to this extent was when i saw the second matrix movie and uh they have a conversation about you know these machines it's ironic because they power our air and i was like fuck this movie like from then on and and i felt the same way about interstellar and i felt like a lot of the like a lot of the questions that i've posed previously like how did this happen how did this happen um there's just a lot about it that dragged for me and I I wasn't by the time they got to Matt Damon I was like all right just please wrap this up and like and it did keep going and then he was in the fifth dimension and I was like okay and then uh, there's just so much about it that I didn't like actually I did like the score which a lot of people hate which is interesting um Hans Zimmer I think did it Mm -hmm. um Another device I just that just occurred to me, this is just a random thing, but like the way they spliced in the documentary interviews at the beginning that then pays off like three hours later at the end, 
they should have just left that device for the end playing in the background because it's cool because it's like world building you don't need to like crowbar that shit in up front they end up being the sort of the talking heads of this in the museum, museum the museum yeah. of his house which yeah. is like I thought you don't I don't I didn't think you needed to like set it up at the beginning it just felt distracting uh, the whole build up of like the ecological disaster didn't really grab me I didn't feel I was telling a friend the other day the thing I really liked about Nolan movies uh, from Memento through Inception was there always felt like there was some kind of like dread under them and then I think with The Dark Knight Rises was the first movie where I didn't feel that and I think that Interstellar was a continuation of that just whatever like existential dread I felt during his previous movies just wasn't there for me huh. and I think it is there in the two the first two Batman movies and in Inception and Memento and uh what's the one the remake of the uh Danish film or whatever uh Insomnia yeah. yeah I just felt like I I always appreciated that about Nolan movies and I felt like it was missing from this and uh, I was really disappointed in The Dark Knight Rises, too. And I really liked Inception a lot. Like, uh, So you just didn't think it worked as a movie, as, like a, as, a, as a fantasy? Yeah, I think the science... I, I agree, the science is all interesting, and I'm glad they pursued it. And, like, the, yeah, the cryosleep thing is all stuff that I've heard about and read about, probably not to the extent that y'all have. But, like, yeah. um, I liked that about it, but I just felt like, as a, as a movie, it was kind of clumsy. And, uh, okay. and, and too long... And uh, <laughs> definitely too. Old. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's 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 my take on it. Yeah, Claire. Honestly, whether or not this movie is even good is like almost completely immaterial to me. There are. It is definitely not. I agree. It's definitely not a good movie as a movie the dialogue i said this the other day but the di- every line of dialogue sounds like it was written to be carved on someone's gravestone it was like so <laughs> <laughs> overbearing um the music the pacing is exhausting i mean i felt like i had been beaten up by the time i was out walking out of the theater but as a vehicle for these ideas and like as a medium to disseminate like a sense of optimism about space i am 100 percent on board with it i think it's really interesting and at the same time as a vehicle for disseminating like a, tr- a fairly clear and realistic picture of the consequences of our like the way that we treat our planet um, is also really important. I think we need to like really like have a lot of the, those kinds of images in popular media in film so that we can like really truly understand what we're bringing upon ourselves. And in fact, it just occurred to me that the apocalypse in this movie is very similar, and it's also a spoiler alert to the apocalypse in the new William Gibson novel. It's like which is called the jackpot. Uh, it, the apocalypse is called the jackpot in the, in that novel. The novel is called the peripheral. But um, it's this kind of, like, slow death, like a slow, like, a f- phase by phase, each thing gets worse and worse and worse until finally there's nothing really left. It's not, like, a massive explosion or a war or a nuclear problem. It's yeah. just, like, things get shittier and shittier until there's kind of, like, it's, the world is intolerable, um, which I think is really interesting and probably a very accurate picture of what will probably happen to us. Yeah, that's a new type of spoiler alert the one where you don't know what you're gonna spoil <laughs> <laughs> but that's 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 also weird that's one thing real quick that's what's so weird to me about this movie is like there's literally a, a, an apocalypse happening and I didn't feel the sense of dread that I felt when I watched a crime movie about a guy who wears a cape and shit like the dark knight gave me more of that like sense of like foreboding dread than this movie did, and the world is literally ending, and I just yeah. I felt like yeah. detached from it. Because like, it moves so slowly, yeah. though. So the, you know? Yeah, the I, dust yeah. storms weren't all that scary. Yeah, to it's me, like, like just go in your house, close like, the window, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe your corn. That might be Interestingly is. enough, like the dust storms are a sort of uh, one symptom of a real life climate change that people are ex- that are expecting to happen. 
as you know drought and aridity increases uh, and extreme weather advances, they're expecting you know these storm systems to whip that stuff up. So that to me felt like a page out of a possible future. And I am personally always on the lookout for appearances of climate change in fiction, yeah. in speculative fiction, because so far its footprint in uh, science fiction at large has been relatively minimal, even though it's probably the biggest legitimate threat that humanity faces at the moment. Um, what was the biggest uh, sci-fi climate change until this point? Movie? Day After Tomorrow. Day After maybe. Tomorrow, which was which got the science all wrong, sure. which is, it isn't even global warming. They That movie suggests that climate change will hit a threshold, and it's kind of like this fringe theory, of this very small probability that it'll... Re- reverse weather patterns and bring on an ice age yeah. so that was that movie there hasn't really been before, ai before, ai and not to bring it up again but ai was everything was flooded yeah. in the future water world i mean there's yeah. also a whole genre in, fic, in like oh, yeah. written fiction not in movies but like dying earth science fiction is a whole category i mean it's not explicitly climate change but it is right so I, for my personal interest i'm looking for explicit references to climate change because we got in in the 70s and the 60s we got a lot of explicit references to nuclear holocaust for mm-hmm. example a lot of of, you know, a lot of Mad Max, a lot of, uh, you know, Doctor Strange Love and Day Planet after. of the Apes. You know, we got a lot of these threads. Yeah, yeah threads. Oh, man, the book talked about a grim movie. So, to me, this, this movie was interesting because it did embody a lot of sort of... It did have climate change in its DNA, even though it was this crop failure kind of blight that was dooming us all. So it did get me on board on, on that. And I actually did think it was an effective vehicle if in terms of thrills and all that i was i and i was exhausted too but i'm exhausted by every christopher nolan movie i remember stepping out of the dark night just oh, going like <laughs> oh my goodness just it's like a it's like a roller coaster ride in the dark that you just don't know when it's going to end and it's not fun and someone's blindfolded you maybe i don't know yeah it's like a haunted house it's it like, is it's like new generation haunted house where you're just getting like waterboarded and like, what, what? <laughs> i think it's inception is probably the most exciting of his movies yeah. in yeah. terms of just like yeah three levels deep so I, yeah, that's <laughs> a lot of brain power <laughs> I think that I think that people should see this movie I think that it's great that it's generating this kind of discussion I think that it's uh, in the, this has kind of been a big year for sci-fi totally. uh, a great year of, for sci-fi great year for sci-fi because not just blockbusters but interesting art house films and smaller budget stuff a wide range of possible futures Snowpiercer uh, Under the Skin Under the Skin fantastic <clears throat> oh, are we considering uh, Snowpiercer a climate change movie? oh that's actually a good point it is but again it's the weird kind of day after tomorrow where they imagine the ice age right. because we try to geoengineer and fail and then... do you think that's just because it looks cooler on like a movie like everything is frozen over versus it's like, like easier to render yeah white oh i don't know because like a sweltering hot like arid desert land maybe that just is too close to a nuclear holocaust movie where like the world is desert again right. or something i don't know because i feel like hot flooded stormy there's so many different yes. ideas somebody should make yeah. a movie of the jg ballard novel the, the drowned, drowned world, world. Yeah. would make an incredible movie just like massive like 
prehistoric swamp. trees and plants yeah. and the sun being like three times bigger than it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would I would totally endorse that. Well, I think that uh, wraps it up here. I think we've touched on just about every conceivable thread that exists in the movie Interstellar. Oh, I beg to differ. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some more, but we don't have or, all, we didn't talk all about the, the water time. Plan. We should make a podcast that, that is as long as the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was we my just have, play, have it playing in the background. <laughs> should it be a time warp version, <laughs> like just seven hours, seven years? I've aged 35 years in the process yeah. of making this podcast. Well, so there you have it. There's a lot to see. There's a lot to think about. Even if you end up hating it like Chris did, it's still probably worth seeing. I like the water. I like the water planet. And I the did too. It's very thrilling. Time. Idea-rich movies like this uh, and speculative fiction are always kind of worth looking at, as Claire said, to get an idea of where we're at, what we're thinking about the future, where our culture is at now. Uh, Interstellar is no different. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining me here. I think this conversation was great. And I hope you all enjoyed it too out there in the borders. Signing off. Say goodbye. Bye bye. Bye everyone. See ya. Bye. Read our website. (laughs) (laughs) Motherboard.tv.com. Slash. Motherboard.com. That is not it. (laughs) 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 Motherboard.com.